At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Habits, Ancient Practices for Today's World, where we'll learn to reject culture's endless stream of quick fixes for God's time-tested truth. Together, we'll rediscover age-old practices that draw us to Him, where true satisfaction awaits. Uh, it, it, it's kind of funny when we think back to this time last summer, uh, we didn't really do very much of anything. Uh, this summer, it's a little bit different. We've got all sorts of stuff happening, and we kind of feel like we're getting back into our rhythm and routine of looking at events, looking at opportunities, and all of it is done so with the mindset of how do we engage people with the gospel of Jesus? It's never meant to be a busy time just for the sake of being busy. It's never meant to be time filler or free babysitting for you. Uh, it's meant to be an opportunity to not only proclaim the good news of Jesus, but also to equip and to train people, whether they're kids, teenagers, or adults. And so all these different events that you hear about that come out, recognize that that's the heart behind all of them. We want to engage with you. We want to create opportunities for you to fully mature in your relationship with Jesus and for others to hopefully come to know who Jesus is for the very first time. So uh, we are in a sermon series. Today's the last day of the series called Habits. And it's all about uh, these ancient practices that we see in the New Testament, that we see Jesus kind of model, that we see the early disciples model. And as I was trying to think of what's a really quirky, cool introduction to kind of help make sure that you're engaged in this time together today, I didn't really come up with anything. Um, and so, but I will say this. As I was looking at the series, and I'm looking at, okay, what is it, God, that you desire for our people, that one word, habit, really kind of bothered me. And the reason it bothers me is that a habit kind of connotates something that you're just choosing to do because you think it'll be really good for you, right? We all try to have good habits in our life. I think it's easy for us to identify bad habits, but we all generally like to have good habits. But what we've been talking about the last three weeks is so much more than just a habit. It really needs to be something titled with discipline, right? When you hear that word discipline, probably what conjures up in your mind is not necessarily posit like positivity in rainbow colors, right? It's not something that you're like, I love to hear the word discipline. It's a great thing. If you're a parent, you probably love that word discipline. If you're a kid, you probably despise that word discipline right? Um, but a discipline is something that's meant to be a little, a little rough. It's meant to be something that's a little bit more intense, a little bit more like, ooh, I just, I don't know. If you're a parent, when you discipline your children, hopefully you don't take great joy in doing that. If you do, we can talk later this week. But hopefully, when you discipline your child, what you're doing is you're choosing to correct their way of life. You're choosing to correct a particular attitude or behavior. A habit, you don't, really, you don't really teach and train your kids on habits. You model for them what it looks like. But a discipline, a discipline is something that has so much more weight to it. And so I would almost propose to you that instead of marketing this sermon series as habits, we should have marketed it as disciplines. And I don't know if our marketing team is listening or watching this morning, but I'll talk to you guys later this week. But it's really this thing. I want us to have kind of the weight, or the fancy word is gravitas, that there's this heaviness to the word of discipline. And then when we take it into account and we look at it as a spiritual 
discipline. It's meant to be something that you work really, really, really hard at. And it's something that your flesh, that your mind, that your heart will probably want to battle against over and over and over again. So that's where we are today. We're thinking about this discipline. We're thinking about what disciplines of our spiritual life, what disciplines of our Christian walk are there that we need to incorporate into our lives today. Uh, I don't know if you know this. I think we've talked about it a few times, but we actually have sermons. We have 14 different sermons about spiritual disciplines. And we chose to only do three in this series before we jump into our next series next week in Ecclesiastes, which is going to be a really great uh, series for us to go through. But of those 14, we had to kind of think about what is it that our congregation, what is it that our campuses really need to hear? And so far, we've heard about meditating on Scripture and going a little bit deeper in our Scripture reading and intake than just simply a quick devotional. Last week, we heard about solitude and silence in this art and this practice of how is it that we quiet our minds, that we quiet our thoughts so that we can hear and listen clearly to what it is that God has for us. And today, as I was praying through and deciding what is it that we should walk through, uh, the really fun and exciting one, the discipline of submission. Now, another word that you hear submission and you're like, are you serious? What a buzzkill. The sun's outside. It's 60 degrees. Why did I choose to come today? Uh, It's because you stayed home last week while it was raining. Um, But this idea of submission, if you think about that word submission, again, it's another word that we don't necessarily incorporate into our normal life and into our normal vernacular throughout the week, right? If you walk into your office place, and let's say that you are the boss, you're the leader, and you walk in and you say, good morning, team, can't wait for you guys to be submissive to me this week. Don't know how well your employees are going to appreciate you. Uh, if you are a parent and you wake up this week and, uh, or your kids wake up this week and you say, hey, good morning, kiddo. I can't wait for you to submit to me today. It's going to be a wonderful time, right? Even though I know that's most of us as parents, it's our hope and will that our kids will submit to us, right? Husbands and wives, do you guys say hi to each other in the morning and say, I can't wait for you to be submissive to the things that I desire? I can't wait for you to just listen to everything it is that I tell you to do and that you will do it smiling and you will do it with a great attitude. Does that happen often in your marriage? I don't think so because I see a lot of you guys in my office and that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. Because the reality is, is that to submit to somebody, it requires a lot of sacrifice. It requires a lot of sacrifice. There's no way around that. To be submissive, to be in submission, does connotate this idea that you are pressed upon, that you are underneath something, whether it be a person, whether it be an institution, whether it be financial oppression, whatever, whatever the situation may be, to be in submission is not a place that I think we like to find ourselves. I don't know if you guys know this, but we live in America, right? America had said, we don't want to live in submission anymore to the little island across the sea. We're going to choose to push back against them. We're going to dump their tea, and then we're going to start this revolution. We don't like to be submissive as a nation, as a country, right? America, we like to say, you know, we're the number one nation in the world. And I'm not trying to jump into politics and all this kind of stuff, right? But as a nation, we've embraced this reality that we're the ones that are on top. 
And I think what's happened for a lot of us, even as believers, especially here in the West, is that we take that mindset and attitude into our Christian walk. God, I know you're there, and I know you love me, and this is awesome, and I'm going to make my own decisions that still honor you, but I'm going to make those decisions, and I'm going to chart my path forward because I am who I am. And I see these things, and I choose to go after those things. Now, it's okay for you to have choices. It's okay for you to want to make decisions. It's okay for you to see things in life and say, I want those things. I'd like to have those things. I'd like to pursue this career. I'd like to pursue that relationship. And it's okay for you to want to do that. So long as we embrace this discipline of submission, where we are willing to be put under a loving, merciful, kind, and just God. That's what we're going to look at today. And hopefully by the end of our time together, you're not going to just absolutely despise this discipline of submission, but rather that you'll walk away challenged and you'll walk away with a little bit of a new perspective on the decisions and the things and the choices that you make throughout your days, throughout your weeks. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Mark chapter 8 today. Mark chapter 8, and this is a, this is a time... Uh, or a, a section of scripture that we see in some of the other gospels as well. You see it in Matthew, you see it in John. But uh, let me give you a little bit of the context in uh, framework for what we're doing today. We're looking at Jesus talking to his followers and to a crowd of people, right? Jesus' ministry at this point, he is still traveling city to city, and people are intrigued about this man named Jesus, this guy Jesus from Nazareth, because he is saying things that are so profound and so unique. And so there's this great interest in who this man is. And so he's outside of a city. He's, he's invited his disciples, obviously, are with him, and he's invited the crowd to come around and to come and listen. And then he begins to talk, and he begins to say some things to them that really set the tone for us today. Look with me, Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 34. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. This is maybe a familiar scripture for you if you have any kind of uh, history or you grew up in the church. This is one of those verses that people, um, I think, sometimes put up on a placard in their house. It's something that people are very familiar with, this call that Jesus has to say, if anyone's going to follow after me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow. Let's look at what it means, and remember, we're in this discipline of submission. Let's look at what this means and how Jesus kind of paints the picture of what this discipline of submission looks like in our Christian walk. This first thing is you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself. And really all of this is all part of following the way of the cross. You deny yourself and you take up your cross. So what is it to deny yourself? What is it to deny yourself, right? Earlier this morning, maybe you had a situation or an opportunity where you had to deny yourself something. Do I eat the donut or do I eat the muffin? Which one am I going to choose? 
If you're like me, you're going to eat both of them because you don't really care and you're just going to enjoy both of them anyway. For some of you, you're maybe a little bit more health conscious and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to eat the donut, but I will eat the muffin because there's fruit in it. So that'll be really good for me. It's more healthy than the donut, right? In the end, neither one of them necessarily give you nutritional benefit. And some of you have a lot more self-control than I do, and you're like, I'm not going to eat either one of them. I'm going to go eat my dried-out granola, and it'll be so good and crunchy, right? To deny yourself, it's not, I don't think Jesus here is trying to talk about the mundane choices of life, where you find yourself in a position where you have to make a choice. Okay, do I do this toothpaste or that toothpaste? Do I go this road or that road? I think what he's doing is he's talking about something a little bit more with more depth and a little bit more weight to it. It's interesting when you look at Jesus's ministry and the way that he talks to people, every single time that he would go into a city, he'd go into the synagogues, which is the place where the Jews would gather, and then they would be taught the Old Testament scriptures. Remember, people didn't have their own copies of the Torah. They didn't have their own copies of the scripture. They had to go to a place, and then they had to sit and listen and what was happening at this point in time in Jesus's uh, time frame is that Judaism had become this very odd and twisted perspective of following after God. Because what they so focused on was, here are all the things you must do in order to, to be one of God's people. And here are all the things that you must not do in order to be one of God's people. And what happened for the first century Jew is that they lived in this mindset, in this place of, I have to do all of these things, and I can't do all of these things, and if I meet all the criteria in both columns, then God is going to be pleased with me, and I'll be okay. What Jesus does is he comes on the scene, and he begins to teach people, and he says, listen, it's so great that you didn't murder anybody. It's so great. Good job. But I want to tell you this. If you have anger in your heart towards another person, it's as if you just committed murder. It's so great that you didn't commit adultery. That's way to go. Good job. You didn't do that. But I'm going to tell you this. If you look lustfully at another person, it's as if you've committed adultery with them in your heart. What Jesus does is he takes the outward actions and he drives down into the issue of the heart. And he says, I care more about the condition and the status and the situation of your heart than I do about your actual actions. Where is your heart? And I think that's where we have to evaluate ourselves when it comes to this um, call to deny ourselves. What is it in our heart that makes it to where we don't want to give up certain things? What is it in our heart that kind of guides us to say, you don't have to listen to other people. You're an important person. You're 20 years old. You know how to live your life. You don't have to listen to other people tell you what to do. What is it? What is, what is that reflection of in our heart? There's a guy named Richard Foster, a uh, brilliant theologian, uh, and he wrote the book really on spiritual disciplines. And his book is called Celebration of Disciplines, and encourage you to look it up and buy one. It's a great way to uh, kind of jump into a quiet time or a devotional time. But in this book, this is what he says about really this practice and this discipline of submission. When you engage in it, what it does is it helps you deal with the terrible burden of always wanting to get our way or always ending to get our way. 
think about that for a moment. The terrible burden of always ending to get our way. Of always needing to get our way. Sorry about that. Always needing to get our way. Does anybody struggle with that? Does anybody struggle with always needing to get your way? Every parent in the room should raise your hand right now. Okay, I went to the pool yesterday. I was going to sit there. I was going to have sermon prep, and I was going to read. And what did my kids do the entire time? Daddy, get in the pool. 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 Please just go play with other kids, right? We always, I, I think we all struggle with this thing of like people or we want to have things go our way. And sometimes it creates a burden within us and that we're always seeking opportunities to try to figure out how to get our way. Is anything coming up in your mind right now? Anything resonating with you of like, oh, yeah, that's true. I have this burden, this weight, this, this feeling of like, I've got to do this. I've got to work this way. I've got to be like this in order to get my way. But when we think about submission and when we think about this denying ourselves, that's when there's a freedom a lifting of that burden to always have to get our way. Remember, to deny yourself doesn't necessarily mean the small mundane decisions, but it's the condition and the issue of your heart. And the way that it plays out most often is the way that you interact with people, right? Let's think about that for a moment. Are you willing to consider the needs of other people around you? Are you willing to consider who that person is, where they come from, what, what their experience has been. Are you willing to give up your rights for the sake of those other people? Are you willing to surrender your right to retaliate against them, even if they do something offensive towards you? I was debating back and forth whether or not to talk about the whole pandemic thing, right? Because in the pandemic, I think there, for some people, they had the viewpoint that we were being oppressed and suppressed and being forced in submission to do certain things. Well, at the same time, there were also other people who were trying to encourage and say, listen, let's do something out of respect for other people. Yes, you don't have to do this. Yes, it may or may not work. Yes, all of these things, but let's consider our brothers and our sisters, and let's choose to give up our rights so that these other people may feel more comfortable, these other people may feel more at peace, these other people may feel that maybe things are going to be okay. And it's a hard thing, folks. It's a really hard thing. And we can't kind of unpack all of the lessons that we learned from this about our society, about the church, about just the way that we view um, politics and the way we view th- the way things are handled right now. But I think this idea and this discipline of submission, I think it's important for us to kind of evaluate ourselves. Were we willing to give up certain things for the sake of other people? Maybe another easier illustration would be this. Let's say that you start going to the gym and let's say that you're weightlifting and you are at a certain level on your weights and you're just feeling great, you're, you know, you're getting shredded and all this kind of stuff, you're loving life, and you have another person see you and your progress, and they say, hey, I want to come work out with you. I want to come lift with you. And you're like, sweet, come on, let's go. And when that person shows up, and they haven't been lifting weights at all up until this point, for you, as the stronger one physically, objectively, you're the stronger one, what do you do in that moment? 
Do you say, hey, here are all the weights that I'm at. You just need to do everything that I do. Or do you, are you a good coach? And do you look at them and say, hey, you need to start a little bit smaller. You need to start at a little bit less weight than I'm at so that you can build yourself up. Any good coach, any good um, trainer would tell you, you have to know where that person is at and enable them to begin the hard work in the process of kind of growing in strength and growing in their maturity in that way. The same thing applies in our Christianity, folks. Some of you in this room are strong and mature believers. Some of you in this room are immature and weak believers. And before you get offended, I didn't say it, Jesus did, okay? And Paul, you can take it up with them. Some of you are eating spiritual steak, like a porterhouse. Some of you are still drinking spiritual milk. And that's okay. It's okay for you to be at that place in that position in your walk with Jesus. That's okay. But for those of you who are stronger, those of you who are more mature, the burden lies on you. Are you willing to let go of some of the freedoms? Are you willing to let go of some of the things? Are you willing to see the weaker brother or sister? And are you willing to invite them to say, hey, you're not at this place where you can do this, that, or the other, or think this way or think that way. I get that. I hear that. I'm not going to practice this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to try to convince you to be at my level where I'm at right now. Instead, I'm going to release my strength and I'm going to come down and meet you and help guide you towards this place. Is that making sense for everybody? Right? Making sense, hopefully? The strong are meant to let go of their strength for the sake of those who are weaker. Now, it doesn't mean that uh, you have to walk around now. Like the far extreme, I think we see really when it comes out in monks in the monasteries. Okay? Let's think about that for a moment. The monastery lifestyle is meant to be something of a complete denial and a complete uh, re- uh, walking away from everything. And you're meant to be in this place where you have no need for anything, you have no wants for anything, or if you do have those wants, you discipline yourself and you tell yourself no, and then you just kind of walk around in a somber mentality with a hood over your head. I don't think Jesus is calling you to walk around like, well, I'm strong, but all these people around me are weak, so I guess I got to be weak too like them. Or, well, Jesus is saying I have to deny myself, so I won't have that house, I won't have that job, I won't have that relationship. I'm just, I'm just going to be Eeyore right now and just, I love Jesus, you know, like, here we go, right? I don't think Jesus is calling us to do that either. Instead, again, it goes back to the condition of our hearts. Are we following the way of the cross? Deny yourself. The next thing, deny yourself is not set alone by itself. It's meant to be in conjunction with the next direction that he gives, and that is what? And to take up your cross. Context, first century Jews, right? They are living in a place of oppression. The Roman Empire is over them. The Roman Empire has regulated everything that they do, has taxed them on everything that they earn, and basically has created kind of this stranglehold on their society. Um, And it's not a fun place to live. It's not a fun place to be. And when you hear, for a first century Jew, when they would hear the word cross, they weren't thinking of that cute little necklace that you wear around your neck. What they were thinking of is that the wooden beams that get put outside of cities 
that the Romans would uh, put the worst offenders on those crosses to scare, to warn, to show their strength and their power and say, do not be like these people because this is your fate. The cross was that tool of torture and execution. The cross was something that was meant to scare you, that was meant to be this terrible, horrific burden. It was meant to be and elicit this imagery of like fear. I do not want to break the Roman law because if I do, that will, will, await, that will await me. And it was so severe and so horrific that even the Romans, the Roman Empire said, no Roman citizen can be disciplined or punished in this way. We will only save this for the barbarians and for those who are not Roman citizens. And Jesus, talking to a crowd of Jews, talking to his disciples, tells them to do what? Take up your cross. Deny yourself and take up your cross. Uh, question, Jesus. Uh, we thought you, you keep saying this word that you're the son of man, that you're the Messiah, that you are the deliverer. Um, can we go on top of things? Like, can, we, can you elevate us and put us in a higher position of power and authority and reestablish our nation, reestablish our kingdom, and overthrow the Roman Empire? Can you do that instead of asking us to deny ourselves, to put a torture device, to put an execution tool on our backs, and to walk after you? I don't know about y'all, I would not have liked that message. I would not have liked that direction. But Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, if you're gonna come after me, you have to deny yourself and you have to take up your cross daily. We don't have time to go into what taking up your specific cross may look like. But I think all of us maybe have some thoughts right now going through our head. What burden is it that you carry? What thing is it that is so weighty upon you that you just don't know how you're going to continue to live anymore? What sacrifices are you having to, the, are you having to make for the sake of other people so that you can continue in obedience and following Jesus? What cross is it that you carry? What heavy sacrifice, what depth of weight are you carrying? Jesus says, if anybody comes after me, deny yourself and take up your cross daily. That's the act of submission, folks. That's the discipline of submission where we are willing to let go of things that we feel that we deserve, where we are willing to let go of things that maybe that we already know and we're already mature in, but for the sake of other people, and for the sake of obedience to Jesus, we're just going to be open-handed, right? Maybe it comes across in a job offer. Maybe you've got a great opportunity, but the cost of taking that job makes an impact on your family or makes an impact on your spiritual development. Are you willing to let go of the high dollars to be obedient to what Jesus is calling you or to be obedient to your duty to serve and lead your family well. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe there's a relationship opportunity on the horizon for you. But you have to give up a lot of things in order to be in that relationship simply because you want to. 
Are you willing to say no to that opportunity? Are you willing to say no to that relationship? Because Jesus is saying, I, I, I love you, and I know what you need, and I know who you need. And this person, they're great people. That's just not who you're supposed to be with. Are you willing to let that go? Are you willing to release control? The next thing that we see is Jesus kind of calling us to die to the ways of the world. Die to the ways of the world. Again, in this context, look at verse 35. Jesus says, remember, he's already told them, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. And then he gives them the reason for whoever, this is verse 35, for whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's, in the gospel's sake, will save it. There's a point and a purpose to you having this discipline and this heart of submission where you look at things and you say, am I doing this for the sake of Jesus? Am I doing it for the sake of the gospel message moving forward? You have a calling, church. If you're a believer, you have a calling. You have a mission. You have an expectation that God is going to use you to make an impact in the lives of other people. Maybe by the way that you live your life will have an impact on them, and they look at you, and then they ask you the question, why is it that you gave up that job promotion? Why is it that you gave this thing up? Why is it that you choose not to do this, that, or the other? Why is it? Because the world, the world would say, hey, you just need to climb the ladder in all areas of life. But maybe sometimes Jesus pulls you back a little bit and says, hey, I know you could do that, but I have a greater plan for you. I don't want you to take that promotion. I don't want you to be in that relationship because all these people over here are watching you and I want them to see me through your life. Will you trust me in the thing that I'm telling you that may not make sense, that may make things in your life a little bit more uncomfortable than what you uh, are used to, but are you willing to trust me? Are you willing to submit to what I'm leading you and telling you to do for my sake, because I want that person to know about me. I want the, that neighbor to know me. I want your spouse, I want your kids to know me. So when we have this discipline of submission, what we're doing is we are fulfilling this call, we're fulfilling this mission to be on mission with Jesus and bringing the good news to all the world, to all of our neighbors, to all of our workplace, our coworkers, and to our friends. And I think something that we have to remember to or ask ourselves the question, is Jesus really worth it? Is Jesus worth you living in an uncomfortable way? Is Jesus worth you sacrificing things that you really want? Is Jesus worth you being a little tense and having some burden? Is he really worth it for you? And the second question that we have to evaluate ourselves on is, my lost neighbor, my lost friends, my lost parents, my lost extended family members, are they worth it? Are they worth it? Jesus got himself in a lot of trouble with Jewish leaders um, for all the different things that he said. And one of the things that really kind of tipped tipped it over the edge for the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders uh, was a title that Jesus gave to himself. It's a very simple title. 
the Son of Man. It's a very simple title. But behind that title, this is kind of what tipped the Jewish leaders over, and they said, we have to deal with him because he's blasphemous, and he's not the picture of the Son of Man that we know. In the book of Daniel is a recorded prophecy and a recorded vision that Daniel has And the way he writes it is, he says, the son of man will come riding on the clouds and he will take his seat on the heavenly thrones. And all nations, all creation, all dominion will be given to this son of man. And he will rule over all and he will rule over his people. So for the first century Jews, when they hear Jesus saying this, They look at Jesus and they say, I didn't see you come down on clouds. You were a carpenter over here. What good good thing comes from Nazareth? You're just some lowly dude over here. The religious leader is saying, you're not trying to overthrow the empire. You're not trying to overthrow things. How dare you say that you are the son of man? And it's a misinterpretation that the crowd has. It's a misinterpretation that the Jews of the day had. Jesus did come down, but rather than going up from earth and riding on the clouds up into heaven, what he did was he rode on the clouds from heaven down to earth, and he said, I am the deliverer, and I am the savior, and I am your savior, your Messiah, your healer, your restorer. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? Because I know the way to salvation. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one will go to God Almighty except through me. So you want to go to God Almighty with me? You want to go and be in heaven for all eternity with me? Deny yourself daily. Take up your cross daily. Follow me. This discipline of submission, one of those mirrors we have to look at it each and every day. God, am I willing to submit to you today? Am I willing to submit my job, my relationships, my career, my wants, my desires? Am I willing to submit all those to you and allow you to be the guide and the giver of direction rather than me trying to figure it all out on my own? It's a hard challenge, one that I don't like to do each and every day. But God in his mercy will give you strength, he'll give you purpose, he'll give you the power to be able to ask those questions and to release some control and to submit to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and God, we thank you that you sent the son of man to us, that you sent Jesus to us, not because of anything that we've done, not because of our own worth, but simply because you love your creation and you have a desire for us to be in relationship with you. God, this, this principle and this discipline of submission, I don't like because I like to be in control. I like to make things work in the way that I want them to work. I like to be the ruler of my own life and my own relationships and my own career. And God, forgive me for those times when I don't submit to you. Forgive me for those times when I don't look at the needs of others around me, but instead just choose to look at my own, and I ignore them. Forgive me, Lord, for that. And Father, I pray for a spirit of encouragement for everybody in the room today, everybody online, 
that God, that you would lovingly and kindly show us the areas of our life that we're not submitting to you. And would you help us to have this discipline of submission in all aspects of our life so that we can become fully mature, so that we can become strong followers of you. Not so that we're content and happy, but God, so that you'll use us so that my neighbor, so that she'll come to know who Jesus is. So that my coworker will come to know who Jesus is. So that my kids will see and come to know what it is to be a follower of you. Thank you, God, that we're part of a bigger mission that we can't really even comprehend. Help us, Father, in these disciplines. Help us, Father, to, to be mature followers of you. We ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So as we sing, just be encouraged, church. The disciplines are meant to be tough. The disciplines are meant to challenge you. The disciplines are meant to be that thing that you have to work so stinking hard at. But is Jesus worth it? Are your neighbors or your friends or your family members who don't yet know him, are they worth it? And I think you know that they are. So let's stand, let's sing, let's offer our praises up to the Lord and allow him to speak to you in this time of worship. Thank you for joining us today as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.